Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's just uh, pray for a moment here. God, that last song is so, so powerful. Reminds us that even the very breaths we take, hundreds, thousands a day, and the heartbeats and just the, the life that is coursing through us, Lord, it is all a gift from you. We do nothing without you. And so we worship you, great, great God. We love you. Lord, we're about to hear from your word today. We pray that as we do, we will see your great love for us. And that we will respond. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit will be working in this place. That there will be open hearts ready to receive your word. We pray that you will be moving amongst us, in us, through us. Capture us, God. Capture our attention, we pray. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you today, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I invite you to uh, open up your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to look at a familiar story, uh, the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Pastor Kristen and I have been working through uh, just a number of um, uh, stories this summer of Jesus interacting with, uh, with various people. And here's another one where he has just this powerful Uh, interaction with this man. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Listen closely. This is God's word for us. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the guest, be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Lord, thank you for your word. Use it in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to say that uh, I had the privilege of uh, going with um, Emmett and Ann Tempest uh, last June, a year ago, and uh, I got to see uh, Pastor Ben and Gems and others uh, in Haiti, and, and uh, um, it, was, it was great to see all that was going on there. So what a privilege 
And I just wanted to let you know, I've personally seen what they're doing down there and um, the school that is being built and uh, sort of saw the field and now we've seen pictures subsequent to that. So it's exciting what God is doing. God is doing great things in the world. He's doing amazing things beyond our own capacity, but what God can do is awesome and it, it far exceeds what we can do on our own. Well, we've been seeing, if you've been watching TV this week, a lot of people doing a lot of amazing things, haven't you? I mean, uh, if you're like me, you uh, finish work and then you kind of sit down in front of the Olympics and go, what's going to happen tonight? Who's, uh, who's done what tonight? And of course, we've seen Michael Phelps win all his gold medals and, uh, and just uh, become just uh, the most decorated Olympian ever. We've seen um, Usain Bolt uh, win his triple-triple Another, third time in a row, third Olympics in a row, fastest man in the 100, fastest man in the 200, and then part of the 4x100 uh, relay, fastest team, Jamaica, uh, nine golds in a row now. But I want to suggest to you that every single time Michael Phelps uh, crouches to jump in the pool, or Usain Bolt uh, gets into the blocks to run, it's a new start. It's a new start. There's nothing guaranteed. We think we know these people. You know, we think past performance uh, dictates what will happen in the future, right? But if you watch long enough, you'll see people who are experts at what they do, fall, trip, run into each other, drop batons, things like that. It's amazing. There's nothing guaranteed there. It's a new start, a new beginning, a fresh chance to win with glory or to lose going down in defeat. The beauty of a race is that it's never guaranteed. There's always a fresh start. Well, there's always a fresh start in our lives as well. There's always an opportunity for God to do something new. If you've watched the uh, Olympics, you've watched Simone Biles uh, do some amazing things in gymnastics. That, that woman is short. I want you to know and that's my segue to Zacchaeus right there. You just heard it. <laughs> I love this story. I love the story of Zacchaeus. It's classic scripture, which is um, profound, and yet there's some great humor involved. Um, it's, uh, you know, we kind of think of this as the cute little children's story, don't we? Oh, Zacchaeus, you know. Here I go. You can join me if you want. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. All right, yes. You guys got it. Yes. It's amazing sometimes how we know Scripture, isn't it? It's amazing how we've learned these things. In reality, in reality, uh, the commentator Clinton Arnold says, hey, this, this isn't just a cute little children's story. This is one of the most important stories in the Bible because it reveals the heart of Jesus' mission and God's purpose for the world. Wow. It does? I thought it was just about a short guy who got to see Jesus. I think there's something more here. Well, Luke places this story right at the very end of his um, long compilation of stories about Jesus' final journey to Jerusalem. For chapters and chapters, Jesus has been making his way in Luke's gospel 
towards Jerusalem. And now he's come all the way down from Galilee and down into the Judean uh, wilderness. And he's at Jericho. He's at Jericho, which is this hugely pivotal city in the Middle East, actually in the world. Jericho is the oldest continuously inhabited city on earth. It goes back to 8,000 B.C. Isn't that cool? It's also the lowest city on earth. It's 820 feet below sea, sea level. It's just up above to the north of the Dead Sea. And it's a very important place because all sorts of travel, trade, everything that has to go around the Dead Sea has to come up and go through uh, Jericho. And everything that's coming from the other side, this is an important crossing point on the um, uh, River Jordan. And for the Jews in Jesus' time, who were very much focused on, we are not going into Samaria, that cursed land, they would go around Samaria, which meant they had to go all the way down the, Jerusalem, the um, um, Jordan River Valley, and then they would have to pass through Jericho as they headed to Jerusalem. So this is a key place. It's a great place for taxes to be gathered. That's right. All that trade, everything coming through, they're going to put a, a tax on it. There's going to be a custom. There's going to be a toll that's going to be put on that. And Luke's gospel is famous for being the gospel to the outcast. There's the persistent widow, the lost sheep, the good Samaritan, the sinful woman who anoints Jesus. Those are just a few of the outcasts that Luke highlights in his gospel. And Zacchaeus, Luke saves for last. Because he's the ultimate outcast. He is a tax collector. He's a person who is a collaborator with the Romans. He has a lease from the Romans to collect taxes, not only the local regional taxes, but also the taxes that the Romans want to impose. And those who were tax collectors were notorious for being extortionists. They were corrupt because they could take a cut off the top and there was no regulation, whatever. They could take any kind of cut they wanted. And so they would double, triple, quadruple people's taxes and take most of it for themselves while making sure the authorities got what they wanted. The Jewish Mishnah, which is like a book of teaching, even said it was permissible to lie to a tax collector to protect your property. Isn't that amazing? That's how corrupt these guys were. But Zacchaeus, if you know in the text, is not just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. And he was very wealthy, the Bible says. This means he is extremely rich because he has a bunch of tax collectors working under him. And if they're taking cuts, he's taking cuts on their cuts. His wealth is being accumulated in a hugely dishonest way. He would have been an exceptionally hated person. Jesus could not have found a more despised, impossible person to reach out to. You got anybody like that in your list? You know, I mean, we can go for easy things like, you know, ISIS and, you know, people who have murdered children or something like that. But you got anybody in your family on that list? You got any nasty neighbors on that list? I, when uh, Kristen and I were in Olean, our VBS had a block party, and the guy next door called the cops on us. 
it was like the greatest moment of my life. The cops got called on VBS. It was awesome. What kind of awesome VBS is that? Where the cops get called on you. Now, the truth is, it was this wonderful little VBS. I mean, we were out in the park. It was great. And people, you know, people were bitter. Who is this guy? Man, he's a jerk. But you know what? Our secretary, uh, a few months later, reached out to him in a special way. I don't even remember the details. I just remember she came walking back in and said, I just had the most amazing conversation with our nasty neighbor. It was so cool. It was so cool. God is interested in those who are despised, who seem impossible to reach. I wonder why Zacchaeus is seeking Jesus in this story. I mean, Jesus is this huge celebrity figure. He's popular. He's coming through town. Zacchaeus has heard this. But why is he interested? What does he think he can gain from this? Maybe he's heard how Jesus has treated other tax collectors with a lot of grace. People that Zacchaeus knows from other towns. Maybe he's thinking Jesus will have some of that for him. Hard to say. But something must have been unsettled in Zacchaeus' life. He has the money, he has the power, but he knows something is missing, and he's hungry for something new. And the details of the story are fascinating and fun. Zacchaeus is a really short guy. Really short. He cannot see over the crowds. And do you think they're going to part ways? So Zacchaeus can see, Uh uh-uh, they're going to get right in front of him and be like, oh, can't see, little man? Sorry about that. (laughs) Crook. And so Zacchaeus climbs a sycamore fig tree, the text says. Now, this would be, are you ready for this? This is going to sound really cool. A ficus securus. That's it. A sycamore fig tree. It looks like an oak. It has, except it's in growing tall, it has a very short trunk, and then a whole bunch of big branches that all branch out. It's very easy to climb. It's the kind of thing that kids are in all the time. And yet, here is an adult, unusual, climbing this tree, a short man who everybody hates. And while he's sitting in that tree, it's, I bet it's a little comical. I mean, some guy was out there making cracks. You know it. Some guy was out there, shrimpies in the tree, you know, trying to just make him feel humiliated. Zacchaeus doesn't seem to care. He wants to see Jesus. He's interested in looking over the crowd and seeing it. And guess what? When Jesus comes by, he calls Zacchaeus out by name. How did Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? We don't know. It's one of those fascinating details. Maybe somebody nudged him and said, look, chief tax collector's in the tree to see you. Zacchaeus, he's a real crook. Who knows? But Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he says, come down, I must stay at your house today. Jesus recognizes a seeking, hungry, moldable heart. And Zacchaeus' response is that he comes right down and welcomes Jesus gladly. This is a huge, huge problem. Jesus being willing to enter the house of Zacchaeus alone 
is a very big deal. But the fact that he would eat with him and socialize with him is just beyond what people thought was acceptable. It would render Jesus ceremonially unclean to walk into a tax collector's house and certainly to eat with him. And it may come with a certain social ostracism. He may be, you know, talked about because of that. I'm sure he would be. If a tax collector entered anybody's house, that house was rendered unclean. And tax collectors were not allowed into the temple area because if they had gone in, it was considered an act of defilement. That's how low people considered them. And you see it in the crowd's response. I love the scripture. It always just puts it like it is. All the people saw this and began to mutter. You know that word, don't you? Mutter. I love that word, mutter, mutter. Mutter, murmur, murmur, mutter. Mutter, mutter, mutter. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've been there. You may have done it yourself. We all have. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. What kind of holy man is this? Maybe we shouldn't listen to what he has to say. Who is this guy? I can't believe he's hanging out with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' response to Jesus entering his life is nothing short of amazing. He says, I'm going to give 50% of everything I own to the poor people who are all around me. I, I was really struck by that picture up there. Children who cannot go to school. Did you see that? Those kids sitting outside that fence just looking in. We probably all know some children who kind of wished they didn't have to go to school. <laughs> but in reality, that's uh, not... Yes, I see that hand. Thank you very much. But in reality, uh, you know, it's, it's such a privilege Zacchaeus looks at the poor around him. He says, I'm giving 50%. Most rabbis did not uh, recommend anything more than 20% because they were scared that if people felt especially pious and gave too much away, then they'd become a burden to society. But Zacchaeus says, here and now, it's like a snap decision. I'm going to do this. I will give half my possessions to the poor. And... If I've cheated anybody, I'll give restitution to them at four times the amount. Now, that's pretty much an admission right there, don't you think? If I've cheated anyone, I'm giving them four times, and boy, I'm going to start giving money out. Because I've cheated everyone. Everyone. Normal restitution for a wrong committed was to add 20% of value to the property lost. But in the Old Testament... For outright theft, you began to give a certain number of times. We see this uh, in 2 Samuel 12, 6, when King David responds to the, the story that the prophet Nathan has told him about a man who stole another man's sheep. He says, that man needs to give back four times the amount of what he stole from the other man. Maybe Zacchaeus has that story in mind when he says, I'm going to give back four times the amount of what I have stolen he treats his ill-gotten gain not just as something that needs to be restored a little bit. It, it is theft in his mind. He knows he's a thief. And Jesus' response 
is that today, today, salvation has come to this house, not just Zacchaeus, but your whole house, Zacchaeus. Everybody who is part of your family and who's shamed by you is being saved, is being restored, is, is being given new hope and new life. Because this man too, meaning Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. Jesus reaffirms the honest repentance of Zacchaeus. He affirms the serious restitution and the new commitment to social justice that Zacchaeus lives out. That's awesome. That's great. Well, there you have it. An inspiring story from the Bible. Jesus cares about little people. You can go home affirmed, whoever you might be. Big people too. But there's a little bit more here. Just before this story in chapter 18 is the story of the rich young ruler. A man who comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, are you keeping the commandments? And he says, absolutely, I'm keeping them all, doing all the right stuff. Jesus says, okay, well, one more thing you lack. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, follow me. And it says that the rich young ruler, his face fell, that he was sad because he couldn't part with what he owned it's like a direct contrast to Zacchaeus. The rich young ruler is like the star. He's like the golden boy. He keeps all the commandments. He looks really good in an Armani suit. I'm sure of it. I just know it. He just, he was a great guy. Everyone looked up to this guy. And yet, when Jesus challenges him, where it really counts for him, his money, he can't let it go. And he's described as sad. It's, it's exactly opposite of Zacchaeus, the despised guy, the crook. And yet when Jesus comes to him, Zacchaeus doesn't even have to be asked. He immediately responds to the most precious thing in his life for which he has sacrificed his reputation and, and his friendships and everything else. He, he just immediately says, I'm letting it go. Because... I want Jesus in my life. It's the worst of the worst versus the best of the best. Zacchaeus accepts Christ's invitation. The rich young ruler rejects it. Zacchaeus is described as welcoming Jesus gladly. Joy. And the rich young ruler is described as walking away sad. Freedom from riches versus idolatry to riches. Jesus says, in a sense, at the end of the story of the rich young ruler, it's easier for uh, the, rich, the uh, rich man to go through the eye of the camel to, than, uh, yes, a camel, sorry, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go get into the kingdom of God. In other words, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's, it would only be a miracle. Guess what? Zacchaeus is the miracle. Zacchaeus is the miracle. Well, that's one twist. The second is this. We all thought that Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus, didn't we? But when Jesus rolls through town, Zacchaeus found out that Jesus is seeking him. 
Jesus is willing to put his reputation on the line. Jesus is willing to call him out in front of a crowd of hundreds, maybe even thousands of people and say, I want to go to your house. I want to be inserted into your life, Zacchaeus. I am a seeker of you. I see your hunger. And I want you to know that I'm, I'm here because I want to interact with you. I must stay at your house today. There's an urgency there. And of course, the beauty of what comes at the end is, he says, he too is a son of Abraham. And here's the, here's the reason why that commentator Arnold said this is so important. It wraps right up in this last verse, verse 10. For the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. He doesn't come to hang out with the good people. He comes to seek and save what is lost. Jesus is seeking you, friends. And every other person in this world, no matter how depraved, messed up, you are or they are, he wants to offer you a new life, a life of joy, not sadness, a change of heart from self selfishness to selflessness, life, not death, light, not darkness. And the question is, how are you responding about that today for you, and how are you helping other people respond? Do you, do you realize what this is? This is God in the flesh saying, I'm coming for you. You thought you were hungry for me, but it's only because I put it in your heart to be so, because more than that, I'm hungry for you. Jesus wants us to accept his invitation and to allow it to change our lives by giving Jesus control of our lives. That's what Zacchaeus does. He basically says, I'm all yours. I'll make right what I've done wrong. I'll, I'll care for the needy. You get to be the leader of my priorities in life. My priorities have all shifted now. You, Jesus, are in control. Control of my house and control of my finances. Imagine what kind of a different world we would live in if all Christians everywhere allowed Jesus this kind of control. The kingdom of God would be coming in power. Christians would be sharing more and more with the needy. I mean, if every Christian even tithed, we could take a chunk out of world hunger that would be amazing. It really could be amazing. It would be a great blessing to those around. And it would be unbelievable to interact with people whose priorities are set straight. It would be so encouraging. Where we wouldn't be looking around and saying, that nasty guy who lives by the church and calls the cops. We'd be saying, well, I wonder what God has for him. Because he looks like one of those lost people, but God has great things. I can't wait. I hope I get to be part of it. But even if I'm not, I can't wait to see what will happen for him. Jesus is saying to you, I must come to your house today. He's seeking you. Will you respond? 
Are you a Zacchaeus? Thinking yourself too far gone, too far removed from God. Maybe you'll get a glimpse, but he can't really work that way in your life. Are you a rich young ruler? Thinking yourself pretty good. I'm doing pretty well, God. Probably my good deeds will be enough, right? Are you a member of the crowd? Looking at some Zacchaeus out there, mocking his interest in God, blocking him or her from finding Jesus or from Jesus finding them. How are you helping others know that Jesus is seeking them? Maybe you already know Christ. Maybe you know it's not about your good works. Maybe you know that you've been fully redeemed. Who around you doesn't? And how are you helping them? How are you helping them find that? How are you saying to them, there's so much more. I'm so privileged to let you know that God is so good. He's seeking you. What can you specifically do? I want to suggest today that one, one thing you can do is you can respond this morning. Just very simply, I'm just going to invite you to the altar. It, it doesn't matter who you are. We won't know whether you're a Zacchaeus or you're a rich young ruler or you're a person who's blocked others or you're a person who just, you say, I don't really fall in any of those categories. I just want Jesus. I just want to respond. Jesus has reached out to me. I sense it. I sense the spirit moving in my heart. And I want to respond this morning. Today, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation and whatever form it needs to take can come to your house. Will you repent? Will you turn your back on whatever it is and offer Jesus everything? Friends, it's time for a new start. I'm just going to spring this on Brandon. Come on up, man. I need some music. I don't care what it is. Although that redeemed one was really good from Keith. <laughs> just going to pray and um, Brandon's just going to strum something here. I don't know. But my sense is that somebody needs to do business with God today. So I invite you while the music happens to come forward and pray. And I invite all of us when my official prayer is over to just um, just be respectful, just be quiet. You might want to come pray with a friend. You might want to sit in your seat and pray. It could be a good moment. Just do some business with God. And then you can just leave quietly. We'll bless you as you go. Let's talk to the Lord. Lord, you've been talking to us. You've been moving in our hearts, God. There's stuff we need to repent of. God, I just pray that you will encourage those who are 
feeling that urgency this this day to come forward, to stay in their seat, to do something to respond, to do that work with you, God. Some of us are Zacchaeuses. Some of us are rich young rulers. Some of us are the crowd, and frankly, we haven't really helped anybody lately. Know just how much you're seeking people. Oh God, wherever we are, we just respond to you this morning.